Hello and welcome back to the ME7 podcast and for the second episode of Mental Health Monthly. I'm joined, as you can see on the screen, by Jules fans, Pete, Dan and Dave Miller. Um, gents, good evening. Thank you very, very much for coming on. Um, I know it's obviously, it's it's a topic that we said obviously a couple, like a couple of months ago that we'd do this um, and we'd speak about it. You guys kindly come forward and said that you would you you would speak about your your experiences with with mental health um so thank you very much for for doing this um yeah i suppose dan we had a we had a conversation uh, um we had a conversation obviously on social media and then we had a conversation in person at a jill's game and you said that there were there wasn't much sort of out there for for sort of to, to speak about mental health but you felt something like this was perfect for you as 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 a person why why was that so i have recently actually found something that i've been going to once a week and i wanted to give them a little shout out if i could actually so okay. they're called uh men talk and i don't know if anyone's anyone's heard of this so the one that i've been going to is in in Sittingbourne. uh it's on tuesday night it's all exclusively for men. Get together, have a chat, get a bit of a topic going of what you want to talk about. Um, it's really good. I've, I've, I've been a few weeks now. I found it really useful. Uh, I didn't go this week, obviously, because I was watching a surrender a lead to Swindon. Um, <laughs> uh, so whether that helps or not, I don't know. But um, I wanted to give them a bit of a shout out, actually, because they've, they've been really good. Uh, and I found it really useful going there on a Tuesday night. And it's called Men Talk. Yeah. Mental. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So what we'll do then is that we'll put um I'll find I'll find a social media on their website and we'll 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 put a little link to their um their their place in, in when we post this video out and, and people can go and check them out. So um, we'll we'll do that. So Pete, we'll come to you then. Um yeah, let's let's go right back to the beginning of when you first got into Jules. Um yeah, how did you get into Jules and and, and why Gillingham? Well, I was born in the town um, in the early 70s. My whole family was from there. Um, we moved away when I was five down to the Sussex coast. But once you've got a team and it's in your blood, you can't change that. And so for the last sort of nearly 50 years, I've been a long distance fan. I'm now up in Lincolnshire. So most of my interaction with the club is watching on iFollow or back in the day, just refreshing the teletext every 30 seconds to find if there'd been an update. Um, getting down to games are a rarity, but an absolute joy. Last season, getting down there and seeing them uh, with the win against Carlisle, with Sean Williams' blaster in the last minute in front of the Rainham end. I'm sure they needed a structural engineer to check that roof was still in place because it came <laughs> off when that went in. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, Dave, good evening, mate. Um, obviously... Yeah, you sit just in front of me in the rain room, so so we yeah. we often we often hear each other moan on a, <laughs> on a Saturday or a Tuesday. But um, yeah, tell 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 everyone how you got into Jules and why Jules. Um, basically, uh, first ever game, uh, mate of mine, his his dad took me um, mid mid early eighties, uh, and it was against Wimbledon, the original crazy game. I remember we lost one 0 and Alan Court scored, but I don't remember a lot else. Um, and it's the same, same thing. I didn't really go to a lot of football after that until I was 15. And then lads from school, mates of mine uh, from Sitting Ball, and we, we just decided to go up on our own. And sort of, so from like mid 80s, I've been a fan. 
Um, and God, I can't even can't do the math. Have to work out how long that is, but been season ticket holder for quite a while as well, uh, on and off. Um, like Pete, I moved away uh, to Gloucestershire in '94. Um, yeah, came back sort of um, seven, eight years ago, and, and but even then, I was going to games. Jules was my team. Got three kids. I managed to sort of beat that into them that they're Jules fans. Um, <laughs> the nice thing is as well. The nice thing is, as well, they they don't have big teams. They're Jules fans. That's it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're we're bonded by misery. I think. <laughs> what about you, Dan? Come back um, to you. So I I first went to a Jules game probably early nineties. Probably about um, six or seven years old, I believe. Uh, my parents had recently separated. Um, I didn't wasn't seeing too much of my dad. So my granddad uh, was a season ticket holder, very much into his football, big Jules fan. Um, he used to take me on on Saturdays. I used to go up to the cricketers uh, and he'd have a beer or two and I'd play in the playground up there. We'd go down to the ground of what was what is now the Medway stand, what was the old corrugated iron main stand, if you like. Um, <laughs> he'd know the people behind the turnstiles and I'd, I'd jump over the turnstile and I'd sit on his lap so he didn't have to buy me a ticket. Um, and we sit and watch the game, and I'd, I'd go pretty much every week with him. I think just to, you know, give me something to do, and that kind of that male uh, bonding, that time together was was really good, and I, I really enjoyed that. Um, there was a long period of time where I didn't go to any football games until um, sort of teenage years. I think mean, Dave, you were saying similar sort of thing. I started going with once I was old enough. I'd start to go with mates after school. Um, I remember going to the playoff games against Stoke, queuing, bonking off school and queuing down Gordon Road to buy a ticket during the day. Um, lots of us piling into school late. We all had the dentist. So um, <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> but um, since then, um, again, I'd moved away. I lived in Nottingham for, for 15 years or so. In the last five years, I've moved back down to Kent um, with family, started, decided I was going to get back into it and, and take my son to some games. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, Pete, we'll, co- we'll come to you about the next topic then. Um, <laughs> the reason that we're here tonight is is to speak about the experiences that, that you guys have, have gone through. Um, and I think it's really, really important when we speak about these experiences is that you guys are helping someone else. I always feel and think that when you speak about your own experience, what you've been through is that you're potentially helping someone reach out and say, well, if they can do it, so can I. So, mm. yeah, if you just want to tell tell people the, the, the experiences or experience that, that you've gone through. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm of that generation in the middle. My parents were sort of Second World War vintage so you didn't talk about things like that. My kids are much more comfortable. I'm in that sort of in-between thing where we're just getting comfortable with it. So if what anyone shares tonight will help one person, it's absolutely worth doing. For me, I had no experience of mental health. I never thought it would ever impact me. So I had no tools, nothing prepared. It was about 10 years ago. It was a, a long and slow downward trajectory where a lot of things in my work, in my personal life, in areas I volunteered in, they all seem to combine to this sense of I didn't have any value 
unless someone had something that needed doing. If I could tick a box or fill a need, I was useful. As soon as that need went, or they get someone else that could do it, I was disposable. Um, and that just sort of, to start with, you think, oh, that's fine. It's, it's just, you know, there was no, no ill intent meant. But it just wore away at me and wore away at me. And over the next few years, I just started going down and down. You put the mask on in public. You don't tell anyone how you're feeling because you don't really understand it yourself. You've got all this stuff going on inside. And you're thinking, I can't make sense of it. How can I explain it to anybody? And it was about 2019, just before lockdown. And just it was like a last straw um, where I was having a conversation about something and just the door was slammed in my face about it. And I can only describe it as feeling like something physically broke. Yeah. And I was, and I just, I just descended into very deep depression, which led to the point of me standing by a level crossing one day, watching the next train coming and thinking, if I just take a few steps forward, it won't hurt anymore. And it will all be over. Wow. Now I'm, I've been married for 30 years. I've got three kids. I've got a grandson now. I've got a solid career. None of that registered. You get to that point where things are so bleak and you feel so desperate that nothing of that registers. And obviously, I'm still here. I didn't take that step. But at the time, it was none of that registered. The thing that stopped me was the thought of, this might hurt. And I watched the train go past and thought, what a wuss. I'm still here. I didn't do it. And it, it then took a very, very long, slow recovery over the next few years. My wife knew I wasn't right, but she didn't know how bad it was because I hid it from her because I didn't want her to worry. Um, and when I finally sort of came out, sort of admitted to her quite how bad I got, she, she was utterly in shock. Um, I saw the doctor. I got the offer of medication or talking therapy, CBT. I tried that. It can work for people. didn't really work for me. What worked for me was just talking one-on-one -on -one with a couple of really close friends, take the mask off, no filter, and go, right, this is everything. This is where I'm at. This is where my head's at. This is how I feel about myself and my self-image. <clears throat> and they did the best thing. They just listened. They didn't yeah. try and make it right. They didn't try and solve it. They just listened to me and all my friends still at the end. And that had as big an impact as anything. But as I said at the start, I, I had no um, experience of mental health. I didn't know what to expect. So when it hit, I had absolutely no defence and no way of understanding what was going on with dealing with it. Uh, you've hit a nail on the head and, and, and I think this is exactly why we set this up um, set and we've set platform up for, for people like yourself, Pete, where you can just come and just explain and just tell people what you've been through. Because I, I would, I would imagine you guys coming on here, telling the experiences that you've been through, you, you probably don't realize, but you're probably creating a bigger impact than you actually do think. Um, so Pete, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, I'm very th thankful and happy that you definitely didn't do that. Um, and yeah. and it's fantastic to, to meet you tonight and and obviously tell your story. So, um, and and a, and a well done, mate, for, for for coming on here and saying that story. Fair, Thank fair you. Play, Thank yeah. you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, Dan, we'll come to you then, mate. Um, yeah, same topic. Obviously, feel free to to, to, to go into depth as much as you want or, or as little as you want. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So 
Uh, as I mentioned before, my parents separated when I was when I was quite young. Um, quite a, a distant relationship from from my dad, I would say. From from that point, it was it was difficult. We didn't see each other an awful lot. We didn't lose contact as such, or not for any great period of time. But um, the, the disconnect, I, I would say, was there. Um, as I got more, as I got older, more teenage, it, like, that got a bit better. And as I got uh, into, as I become an adult, you know, you start to build that more sort of an adult relationship um, with him. And we, we, we almost almost started again, it feels like, potentially. You know, it was, um, unfortunately, things from the past got in the way a little bit and we had... Uh, we had fallen out, um, and he was in—he was in a bad place. He'd fallen out with other members of the family as well, and uh, unfortunately, he took his own life uh, not too long after that. Which, when I was—I was 22, I believe at the time, so not massively old to be dealing with that. Old enough, uh, maybe, but you know, not very definitely old. old. And... Definitely old enough, mate. Definitely old. Enough. <laughs> It's um, and how I dealt with that is, I didn't. I don't think I really did deal deal with it. I, I sort of accepted that that had happened and just sort of moved on and and tried to and f- and for a long time I just sort of buried it and didn't really do that much with it. It's only since now when I look back and I'm like, no, I've you know I'm married. He didn't see me get married. Uh, I have two great kids. I'm never going to meet my kids. My kids are like they they only have one granddad. Yeah. Um, that's when, for me, it really sort of started to to take effect. That I realised that I am now I am now in that position where I'm I'm him, and I've got a responsibility now. So I'm I'm the I'm the father now, and I've got to got to be there for my child. That kind of really put it into perspective that I was missing that sort of father figure, and it's I would say it's only been in the last maybe three or four, maybe five years that it's really sort of hit me and I've been able to sort of deal with it a bit more. I've, I've been to the doctor. Um, I've, I say I go to the, the men talk. Um, there's, there's various things that, you know, I've done to try it. My wife is great. I mentioned her. She's, she's absolutely brilliant. All, all the other family have been superb friends. It's, it never really goes away. It's, it, sometimes you feel like you, you know, it's okay. And then something will happen. Something will trigger it. Yeah. Something on TV. Yeah. Someone just a little moment. Someone along the line will uh, <laughs> will will trigger a memory or, or it, something. It will be because I'm I'm in a similar similar boat to you, Dan. I I, I lost I lost my father in in 2021. Um, he was he was unwell for for a couple of years. Um, and and eventually he died of he died of cancer in in 2021. So I'm I'm in a, a very very similar boat to you. And and you're right. It's it is that trigger point. It's that it's that memory, or it's that song, or it's that comment, or it's something that you just think, or or it's even a case of like I've had a moment where I've been just driving home, and I'm coming back away from somewhere, and I think, ah, oh, call dad, and then you do it, and and it's something like it's things like that, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Anything we're watching something on TV and that topic will come up and it's you try and I mean, I'll sit there and try and think, no, this is this is OK. I can. But really, you, you are true at that point. And yeah, it, it just goes out the window, really, and how you're dealing with it. 
So it's, it, I, I would say it's how I've dealt with it was very, as I say, sort of ignore it. Sort of felt I I dealt with it okay. It became apparent that I hadn't, and now I'm sort of dealing with it day by day. Really, I guess I don't think it really impacts me every day to the point where it's it's an issue. But it, quite often, you know, nearly every day, it will be a reminder. It will come but up I've, in my mind. I've then felt that when you have like then speaking about it to somebody, even if it's a, a phone call to someone, family member, loved one, and just saying. I'm struggling today. I just want to speak about it. And literally mm. five minutes and you just feel as a weight completely yeah. off your shoulders. Absolutely. And I think one of the one of the takeaways that we, we're probably all going to say in this is that if you are struggling to talk to somebody, absolutely. Um, I also want to point out something that I, I missed that probably sits with me the most is I didn't listen. So when, before before he died, I wasn't really listening to what he was telling me. And that's something that sits with me. So it's, we know, we want people to talk and reach out if they're struggling equally, listen to what other people are telling you, because they might be trying to tell you something that without properly spelling it out, subtle things here and there, um, definitely be listening to what people are telling you as well. Fantastic piece of advice, that. Dan, brilliant, mate. Um, Dave, we'll, we'll come to you then. Um, I know you patiently waited, but um, no, yeah, yeah. Fair play, guys. Um, respect to you. Um, mine's slightly different. I mentioned I moved away in the mid-90s to Gloucester. Uh, got married, uh, had three kids. But see, for the uh, best part of 12 years, I was um, working in London. So I was down from Gloucester on a Friday or a Monday morning, going home on a Friday, exhausted. Um, basically, um, love my football. So I ended up coaching my kids as well. So that took all Saturday. Then you got the Jills. Basically, my marriage just went down the toilet. Yeah. Um, it, it was ended up as a bit of a perfect storm, really, because, um, you know, we sucked it up for a long time. I think my ex-wife sucked a lot of it up as well. And just one day... You know, I just snapped. I can't do this anymore, and, yeah, yeah. and just ended it. The kids realised something was wrong. My ex-wife was very upset. I was back down at my parents. Um, uh, pretty much what I was doing anyway. But my mum and dad have got a, a toxic relationship, and that's something I've always wanted to avoid. So you sat in a room like this. Avoiding your mum and dad, four walls. You yeah. think, you think, I'm a shit, I'm a terrible husband, a terrible father. Doubt set in. Um, you know, it, initially it was a horrible, horrible atmosphere. Me and my ex were just arguing all the time and then culminated in a, in a horrible holiday. <laughs> Um, we'd booked a holiday and we all went on it and it was just, it, you know, it was our wedding anniversary as well, it just, it was just awful and, and fair play to the three kids they came out of it as wonderful as they are now but I moved in with mum and dad permanently um, you sat there thinking I've got nothing, didn't see the kids, Covid came along still don't see the kids, you can't yeah. you feel like oh my god I've got all to make up to the kids. I've got to, 
I've got to be the perfect dad. And I just couldn't do it. You know, you're locked in a room. You can't go out. Um, I met someone um, and sort of she sort of was like a sticking plaster over the problem. COVID came along, couldn't see her either. And it, it just snapped. And I, I spoke to my uh, partner, who's now my wife, um, again, my new one. Um, and she said, look, you need to talk to someone. You need to talk to someone. So I, I went and spoke to um, a therapist. Uh, I've been seeing her now for six years. I go, I was going maybe twice a month. Um, I now go once a, once a month, irrespective of whether I've got to unpack stuff or not. Yeah. I just go and we'll talk, we'll talk, we'll talk about problems, we'll talk about issues, we'll talk about the weather, we'll talk about holidays if there's nothing to talk about. But what she did, she managed to unpack where the root of all my um, inadequacies as a father, as a, um, as a husband, she unpacked all that and, and, she, and she got to the root of where the issues were from and, she, and she's, she's been brilliant. And that's made me, I hopefully, hopefully the kids will say that I'm a better dad, uh, even though they've grown up now. Um, I hope my wife will tell, say I'm a better partner than I was at the beginning of our relationship. But there's days when, as you say, like something will trigger it. You know, I've got terrible imposter syndrome. I've got amazing kids. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got a magic job. And there's days when you sit there and you just think, I shouldn't be doing this. This is this isn't me. I don't deserve all this. Yeah. And you know, it, it's, it's unpacking. <laughs> but one of, is that one of the things you spoke about? I, for ages, I didn't tell anybody. Um, didn't tell any of my mates. Didn't tell any of the kids. Um, I've opened up to them now about that. Um, I think Pete, you were saying we're of that generation where, you know, we'll suck it up and. You know, you taught certainly my mum and dad. It's like an emotional void, um, and we, you know, basically, don't deal with that. Suck it up, get on with it. Man, man up, man up, man up. Yeah, what yeah. a load of shite that is. Sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's the best thing I can say. If anybody's out there and think of an age similar age to me, early fifties. If you're worried about talking to your mates and how they're going to react, don't. Because if they're your mates, your partner, whatever, you know, that they care. They care about you. And same with your, same with your, your other half. I mean, she's seen me at my worst. And she, dra yeah, she helped drag me up. So mm -hmm. she's seen me at my worst. And if she can accept me at my worst, then, you know, she loves you for a reason. So, yeah. you know, you have that imposter syndrome, or I have that imposter syndrome, and, you know, ultimately, people get you through it. You know, you've got, everyone says, oh, you know, you, you've got to do it. You, you can only do it with the love and the support of your family and your friends. And I would, look, a, a therapist, you're not for everyone, but for me, it absolutely worked. Um, yeah. Six years of talking to her, and... What I find fantastic is that she doesn't take any notes. I'll go there and she'll remember something from five, six years ago when we first started. 
you know, and 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 and, and she pinpoints it, and it silly little things, you know, and but yeah, I mean, you know, I think we all have sort of similar little things about, you know, certainly myself and Pete about being an age where you don't share, you talk to just get on with it and deal with your own problems and. You know, and I think I don't know. I can't. I won't talk for Pete, but from my perspective, I was like a sponge. I just sucked up years and years and years of just gulping all this stuff down when I should have been sharing, and then suddenly it just that was gone, just burst. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Bang on the money, Dave. Bang on the money, mate. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's important to 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 definitely definitely talk and definitely share with. Share with your loved ones. Um, one, one thing I would, one thing I would say is as well. I think the guys have alluded to it. Yeah. Um, just because you feel better doesn't mean it's gone away. You know, it's always going to be there with you. Yeah. So you know, don't don't be ashamed to think, oh God, you know, I've, I've got mental health issues. Share it. You know, it, it does make you feel better. You know, a lot of people are in the same boat, and it's never going to escape you. And the, the issues, the issues of the past. You can you can you can deal with them. You can understand them, but they don't go away. You can't stop feeling. Yeah. You're never gonna feel. You're never gonna miss your dad, right? You know that's yeah. never gonna go away. So, you know, just just don't think because you're having a good day, it's gone away. You just you have to sort of manage it and accept it, and uh, and listen to your friends, and 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 you know, and 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 take the advice of your friends. You know, there's people out there that love you. You got to pin your hat on that. And don't rush the recovery as well. I don't expect it to be over in five minutes. It took me a good five years to, from when it started to reach rock bottom, yeah. about you know, as low as a man can go. And even now, because it was all, for me, it was all self-esteem related. Even now, if somebody says something nice, I know they're being genuine, but there's this voice inside me goes, no, that's not me, because that wasn't the me I allowed to penetrate for all those years. And you have to force yourself to go, they see something I don't see. I've got to trust what they're saying. Oh, that, that drives, learn to love yourself again. That, that drives my wife crazy. You know, she'll say something nice. So you look great tonight. And I'll go, come on. You know, a <laughs> 52-year-old fattish guy in a shirt, <laughs> you know. You know, and it is. It, it, it's difficult, you know. And it, again, it's, it's, it's my imposter syndrome. You know, yeah. I, I I feel uncomfortable taking a compliment, but I can quite easily dish it out. You know, oh, you look fantastic tonight, or oh, hello, mate, you you look great. You know, you 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 know, yeah, lost a few lost a few pounds, or, or yeah. It, but say it to me, and I'll just like oh, same same reaction, Pete, and, and I'll change the subject. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just just to finish, just to finish off. Um, obviously. For our sins, we're all we're all Jules fans. Um, <coughs> I, I've I've always found that what what definitely helped me get through is get is get getting back to my routine. That's that is what that is what helped me through. And, and as much as the football has been in recently in recent years terrible on the football pitch, um, we yeah just just literally turning up on a Saturday or Tuesday night and seeing people and seeing the people that. Have always been there. Years is just sometimes enough. Um, Pete, we'll come to you first. Just sort of wrap it up in 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 a positive way. Of 
I know obviously you know are a remote Jules fan, but you are a you are a Jules Jules supporter. Um, certainly, that that times that you you were getting through it. How how just even just watching the team? Why was that? Why was help your well being? I think just as you say that that routine of watching each week, you know, watching like a Saturday or however you keep in touch with these things. Um, like um, I think David had mentioned, my son, he's in his 20s now. He's a Jills fan. He was born in Brighton. He's only ever been to Gillingham for football matches, but he is about as ardent a fan as you could be. So just sharing, you know, texting him when they've had a good result or chatting to him over the phone or going to matches with him. I think even though I maybe only get to like two or three home games a season, when you're there, you're with a group of strangers, but you've all got a common focus. It's like you're, you're, you're with your tribe. Your, your mood is, is, is the same as these people around. You're driven by what these 11 guys on the pitch are doing. And it's just lovely to have that sense of that bond with a group of people that you've never met before. You may well never meet again because you're there for one, one odd match. But it is a, a lovely feeling to have a sense of community. Dan, what about you, mate? Same topic. Yeah, so I think about now when I used to go to the games when I was a kid with my granddad. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, it was just great to go to go and see the football. You know, something something a bit different. But looking back now, I realise how probably how important that was for me at the time, how good that was. So with my son's 11 now, so he, he's a little bit older, but I've taken him to two games, odd games, since he was um, probably about the same age as I was, five, six, seven years old. Um, so knowing how good that was for me, looking back, taking him and getting him to experience that, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see him good in the future. I'm, I'm hoping he's enjoying it, regardless of, of, like, say, how the football can be sometimes. I'm hoping he's enjoying it. Being that being part of that focal group, there is, you say, there's, there's six, 7,000 people there, and we all have the same thing in common, and we're all there for the exact same reason. It's only when you really stop and think about that that that's actually quite a special thing to be to be involved in. Um, I'm for me, I'm hoping that it's going to, you know, he enjoys it, he looks forward to it. It becomes part of our thing every other Saturday. Um, we spend some time together. It's just two of us. It's good. I hope he enjoys it. Yeah, you, I mean, he looks like he's enjoying it with a photo behind you. <laughs> yeah, you definitely enjoyed that alone. day. <laughs> Well, mate, continue. Um, yeah, Dave, just to, just to, just to round it off, same yeah. same sort of topic for you, mate. I mean, yeah, G- Jules is something that me and the kids, it's our thing. Um, you know, um, my eldest, I'd go to matches with him. Um, now he's he, he works for the club. Um, my daughter started going um, for her sins. Uh, and my youngest is eighteen, um, and we, we've been we've been doing it in the season ticket. But you know, he was the one where when I did split up from the ex and COVID uh, came out, it was our thing. He'd come down for the weekend. We'd do it so the weekend yeah. was Jill's weekend. We'd go to the football. Um, now he's he's and he, and he's hooked. He loves it, but. He's doing his mock A levels at the moment, and he's he's got a fantastic work ethic, so he's not coming down. He's studying. 
So I'm like, hmm, <laughs> what do I do? But my wife is like, go football, you stupid sod. What else are you going to do? Yeah. You know, three or four years ago, when I was, I'd, I'd probably just sit at home, not bother. You know, even though I love the jewels, I'd, I'd put Radio Kent on or I follow it. But my wife's like, go to the bloody game. What's wrong with you? So I'll go at the game and I'll see James, I'll see Carol, see Harvey. It's the same people. And you have that bond and that camaraderie, yeah. you know, and you have the laugh, you have the banter, and it's the same people. And they oh, how you doing? Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. You get to know them. You build yeah. up that rapport. And what I will say, last kick, one last, one last thing. I mean, what Jules has done, there was the Como trip. Mm. And my son is 17, 18. He's got his own mates. He's got his own thing to do. He's getting to that age now where he doesn't want to be around his old man. He's going to university. Don't want to go on holiday with me. Um, the Como trip we did, me and him, father and son, and it was absolutely incredible. Forget how good the football, the experience, the jewels was. Just spending time with him, me and him, having an adventure, having a laugh, a cheeky couple of beers. And it, do you know what you say about Dan, you know, going to games, your, your granddad remembering those days? Hopefully he'll remember that for the rest of his life. And then when he has kids... He'll do so. He'll do right. Okay, Jules are playing. I don't know. They're away at Crawley. He'll go to Crawley. He'll take his take his kid to Crawley. I mean, that's what yeah. it's all about. Just yeah, you know, bonding, spending quality time together. And the, the Jules is is all of our things, isn't it? We've all, you know, we've all got that little fire inside us. And you know, and 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 thanks, you know, you know thanks to Brad and Shannon for organising the trip. Forget the football. It did more for my my son and I, my, myself, my son's relationship than I think that anyone will ever understand. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Nice way to round it off, I think. Um, gents, you've been absolutely <laughs> outstanding this evening, each and every single one of you. Um, thank you so much for coming on and opening up. Um, yeah, you've you've obviously been watching the ME7 podcast, Mental Health Monthly, February edition, with Pete, Dan and Dave. Um, yeah, thank you all for watching and uh, and as always, up the jewels. <laughs>